Are you guys ready? We're starting. We're starting. We're starting. We're starting. We're starting. We're starting. Do it live. Here we go. The theme today is Sweet Home Alabama, which just means everything that you do should in some way touch back to Alabama. This is the Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 72, recorded Tuesday, August 2nd. 2016 at Stack Exchange headquarters in the city of Thunderstorms, New York, New York, where more than 8 million people live in peace and enjoy the benefits of democracy, free internet Wi-Fi hotspots throughout the city, and bicycles you can rent by the hour. Today's podcast is brought to you by peanut butter. Peanut butter? A food paste made primarily from ground dry roasted peanuts, which dates back to the Aztecs and the Incas. See? Today's podcast is also sponsored by IBM. Did you guys know that you can run Swift on the cloud? Swift, the modern, easy-to-use, open-source programming language, has come to the server and is running on the cloud. Build and deploy your cloud services today with Swift at IBM. On today's podcast, the usual crew, Vice President of Community Product, Jay Hanlon. I can't believe you made the sponsor, Peanut Butter. Good morning. Usually you joke at my joke sponsor. And VP of Engineering, David Fullerton. You know, on the subject of peanut butter, it seems kind of magic. Have you seen those machines at the store, at the yeah. grocery store, where it's literally just a jar of peanuts, and then you like turn the thing, and out comes peanut butter? Like it seems like there should be more involved in making peanut butter. Like there than... should be because peanuts are dry, and yeah. peanut butter is moist. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> it, be a liquid. it doesn't it add up. It just I doesn't can't add help up. but remind you, as yeah. someone whose child is peanut allergic, it's like you're describing a napalm dispenser at Whole Foods to me right now. And but it's like magic. You're making my brain melt. <laughs> Hold on, let me try this. It's like if napalm came from little nuts that grow on trees, and yeah. then there's a machine in the the grocery store that, that you just could make it it just comes out it starts as a nut and then it comes sort out of as a liquid it. it makes no sense my objection yeah. is not to the wonder at the creation and innovation in the manufacturing process okay i don't care anymore it, let's keep going uh, i'm your host joel spolsky welcome back everyone also on today's podcast special guest stack overflow engineering manager matt sherman hello hello welcome matt welcome matt thank you i have many favorite butters since we're on the topic what about almond butter? Oh, no, no, forget all this. Make just just stop. I'm just going to jump to the end because, yeah, there's almond butter. It's fine. There's this soy butter thing that kids like mine eat. Yeah. They're all fine until you discover there's a thing called cookie butter. Cookie butter. Cookie butter will change your life. Is this like Are in the sure store there's a canister of batter? cookies and you <laughs> Cookie <laughs> butter. And, and cookie paste cookie comes paste out the bottom. That would be amazing. Cookie butter, available at your high-end specialty food stores. Trader Joe's has a number of products. Speculos is the name for it in some cultures. The best way to think about it is, you know those, Speculous. you know those cookies. Those is this like what's that? What's Vegemite? Is this no, like Vegemite? no, no, no. Vegemite is disgusting. Marmite. This That's is Marmite. If you ever fly Delta, they give you Biscoff cookies. Yeah. Imagine if they sure. ground those up into a fatty, spreadable paste. Okay. That's what cookie butter tastes like. And it's better than peanut butter, but it may contain peanuts. It is better than any food you can possibly eat. It does not contain peanuts. It is peanut free. This is like when you discover coconut oil and you start cooking everything with it, and then you find out how bad it is for you. Yeah. No, cookie butter is fat free and healthful. Is it good? Coconut oil? I have several coconut oil evangelists in my life. There are people that are really yeah. into this stuff. You can make anything with it and it will taste delicious as long as you like the flavor of coconuts. Yeah, it is yummy, but the coconut flavor does not escape you. Like everything is coconut flavored when you use coconut oil. Cookie butter just tastes like yummy. Well, is there anything I think that's uh, it. not the Martha Stewart version? Why don't we just wrap up? I think that's the whole We show, can jump right? to our non cookie related news now. Oh, oh there's non cookie related topics. Can we talk about all of our sponsors? Yes. Okay, good. I should pay more attention to the podcast I'm actually on right now. Let's talk about salary. Yeah, let's talk about your salary, actually. I'm glad you're so amenable to this conversation, because I've been meaning uh, to tell you. I feel like I've been... Uh, I think $1 <laughs> okay. is incredibly Declined. generous. <laughs> I feel like I've been progressing well against the goals you established of talking to you less. Do not and, pass go. Okay. You can get $200 if you pass go again. Okay. By the way, do you guys play Monopoly according to the rules where like all the fines go into the middle, and when you pass go, you just 
Oh my gosh. Defines it, it was kind of an eye opener. <laughs> I only ever played that way. Yeah. And then one day when I was a grown up, yeah. somebody explained to me that actually Monopoly is a game that sort of works as long as you don't use those house rules. As in <laughs> it's it actually a very inflationary ends. rule. With that, with that rule, the game never actually ends, yeah. right? Until somebody just gets mad and throws the board. Well, there's another rule, which is that once the bank runs out of money, there's no more money. <laughs> Houses too. That's realistic. And we were always like, ah, oh, well, let's use a penny for an extra house or something. But oh, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. supposed to do that. There's it's, a limited number of houses. The house rules actually break the game. And in fact, there's a really good strategy for Monopoly that involves you, you drive everything? people crazy. No, what you do is you you buy up all the houses and nobody can get hotels because you have all the houses and their official rules say you have to turn in four houses to get a hotel. And if they can't get four houses because you bought them all. You have a monopoly, and that's actually the meanest strategy. Can I just point out that yeah. like, we have a number of what I'd like to think are, I won't say intelligent, I'll say well-educated adults running a company yeah. who just spent a long circle of time being like, you know what we've totally figured out? In this game called Monopoly, if you buy all of a certain type of thing, so you have all of them and no one else can have it, you will actually be able to dominantly control price of yeah. that thing. And it took us till now to realize that That's is the best strategy. You're right. The right. hint was right, right in the name. <laughs> in the name, in the name, name of the game. game. Titled Monopoly. Oh. Why didn't I think of that? Okay. I thought it was like a Monopoly in, in a particular you know, street. The money city. thing, too. If yeah. you have all the money, then nobody yeah. else can get money. Right, and because then you, you have it all. Right. Yeah. Great rule. And yeah, so it is convenient to have lots of money, ideally all unreal. of it. It just seems unrealistic. Having all the money. All the money. Okay. So, so salary. So the whole reason we've got Matt on is because we just did a thing that some people think is a little crazy. We what just we decided do? to publish our salaries, or at least for engineering. We took all of our salaries and we said, here, have them. No. Yeah. It was tough. It was we tough. made a calculator where anybody can go and they can... Well, Matt, why don't you tell us? Matt, why don't you tell us what it does? <laughs> Matt, what do we do that has to do with salaries? Later? Well, what we did most recently is to publish a salary calculator which reveals what we pay people here at Stack Overflow. Like, they know what I make now? Because Joel wouldn't give me that raise. He wouldn't give you the raise? Okay. $5.50 an hour. We have... Well, there's a couple of lines in the code that for our engineering roles, our design roles, and our product management roles as well. So if you want to go there, go to our company page, basically stackoverflow.com slash company. You'll see a tab there for salary. And if you would be interested in working here or you already are, you can go in and plug in your position, your years of experience, your skill level, which is a whole conversation, yeah. and find out what we pay people okay. in that role. Okay. Well, I don't know what I think about this, but this is a terrible idea. That's a contradictory sentence. I love how quickly you go from indecision to decision. <laughs> See, Joel, that's, this is, that's, that's, why, CEO that's why he's quality a CEO. stuff right there. Thank you. Thank this you. is exactly why we didn't tell you until after we did it. That's why, that's right, why they pay right. Joel $9 an hour, unlike my paltry five fifty. But wait, I want to ask you about salary, but the high level of like, why did you do that? Like, what was the, just the catalyst for you or others, the company kind of tossing out like, why don't we do this? What drove that? And then we can get back to like how we came to that system. Sure. Yeah, it came out, you know, philosophically, we felt this way for a while. It's been a few years that we've said, you know, Employers should put salary ranges on their jobs, but mostly it was a philosophical position. Mostly we felt this is a good thing, but we didn't have... Wait, talk more about that, employers putting salary ranges on their jobs. Yeah, it's been a feature on Stack Overflow jobs for a while. So like when they put a job listing, they could hypothetically have a... They can describe the salary range that right. that job pays. Yeah. Don't those, a lot of times, though, it's usually like $50,000 to $150,000. Yeah, which is better than no information. But I guess it's, so. At least you know, you know it's not $8 an hour. Yeah. 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 So I agree. They can give themselves a lot of wiggle room in there. And the wiggle room may be the truth. It may be that the range is actually that big. It can be big. But mostly we want people to just get the information out there. We've felt yeah. that that's a good thing for a long time. But it was mostly a feeling. I've heard a complaint among recruiters that if you actually work it out, you say, all right, this is a level three programmer in Chicago. We know what it's going to pay. 
it's going to be $73,000 to $81,000 because that's the range mm -hmm. that we have in our manual of how much we can pay for this job. Right. Then the person seeing that in the advertisement will come in and want to be at the high end. Be like, I know you can pay 81000 Yeah, yeah. I worried about that. Like, I was concerned yeah, early on yeah. that we would anchor people, right? Because everyone thinks like... No, actually, I just invented that right now. It's Jay coming in, taking credit for my ideas. <laughs> I'm sorry, what did you think I did other than that around here? Like, I'm, this is interesting. I'm... That's the skill level I was referring to earlier. We're seeing, you know, the, the degree to which you can repeat Joel's ideas back to him, that, that helps... Yeah. You know what I thought of? I am being disruptive. Uh, but now. let's even go back one level before range, because it feels obvious once you state it from the other perspective. But why don't employers forget the ranges? Mm -hmm. Let's say you've just got a roll and you're going to pay 82 grand for it, yes. right? Or whatever. I'm making mm -hmm. up a number. It actually seems kind of rare that a job listing has a salary on it. It is pretty rare. On our jobs, last time I looked, it was less than 20%. Why do we think that is? Because that's not a, us. That's like the same if you go to any other site, which right. you shouldn't. Yeah, you should yeah. use ours. But why do you think employers generally don't want to put a salary on something? Well, I have my own theories about it, which I think are reasonable theories, which is that it is a negotiating advantage not to reveal that. Looked at from a negotiating perspective, there's not much upside for the employer to put that information out there. Now, I think that's a naive perspective. I don't think it's a big they enough. They think. But we know that they get more applicants. Wait, sorry. Did I just, did I just jump? You're down? jumping ahead. But that's the punchline. That's the good answer. Joel's digging up the lead, man. No, that's fine. Yeah, that is, it's a naive thing to think that, okay, yes, I don't want to give away the salary information. Yeah. I want to have all the power in the negotiation because they don't even know where to start, which is reasonable to think, but that's kind of only true in a non-competitive world. If there were not other employers in the world, that might make sense, but there uh -huh. are yeah, yeah. other employers in the world. And the place to see the other employers that you're being compared to is on a job board like ours. So we decided to figure out, we being our data science team in this case, figure out, is this actually true? Do we think salaries help? Do they hurt? To what degree? So our data science team decided to do an experiment where they ran job ads on Stack Overflow in the right-hand sidebar. You'll see advertisements for jobs. They wondered if it would make a difference, so they did a rigorous test, an A-B test. They ran the same jobs with and without the salary indication. And the top-line result is that, on average, they get 75% more clicks by having the salary on there, which is... Huge. A very large number. Insane. Yes, it's a crazy number. We never get any kind of Have we run like any any job ad experiment that had higher results than that? Not that I'm aware of. I'd have to ask the data team, but I know mostly what I hear from them is on the order of 20 or 30%, which is a we huge success. We changed something from orange to green and green to orange. We've done some changes. Yeah, the 30%, I don't think we've ever done anything that's gotten 75 No, that's ridiculous. No. People like dollar signs, by the way. They see the dollar signs in their eyes. So there's like, interesting things. Money. Right. So some <laughs> of it. I think you're thinking of what Donald Duck likes and how no, he behaves is... when he sees money. <laughs> no, no. I think... That's part of it. Because, I think that's part of it. Because look, in the study, just splitting the same data, we looked at it and we said, well, is that just because, so there's a couple things. So one, is that just because the jobs that happen to advertise salary are better? Selection bias. You're likely to put it if you have a so higher salary. So we control salary. for that by showing the exact same jobs with and without salary. Yeah, right. right. That's one thing. But then it may be, well, how biased is this towards jobs with high salary? You know, do they get more clicks? And mm -hmm. yes, the jobs with higher salary got more clicks, but even the ones with low salaries still got more clicks. And then what I thought was the most interesting piece was it was, well, okay, what does this do in the same job ad if some of the jobs have salary and some don't? Does that mean we're just stealing clicks from the jobs that don't have salary? And the answer was no. In fact, if one of the jobs in the ad has a salary, all of the jobs get more clicks. Get more clicks. The salary gets the attention to that place and then this everything. The goes. There's an interesting, going back to like, so this bears out what you might guess, which is providing more information gets more of the right people interested. Yeah. But yeah. back to like, why doesn't every like recruiter or other person like assume that and get to that? I almost think it's like there's a thing you can observe and a thing you can't, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is you can see when putting a salary out 
results in some conflict over salary, which is someone won't take less, even though they're making less now. You can see that you're paying more than you would have maybe had to. Yeah. Right, right. But what you can't see is all the people who never consider your ad due to a dearth of information or exactly. who would apply yeah. with more information. There's actually, and one thing I think, so a lot of tech companies just sort of pay market rates and, and the recruiters are kind of used to doing that. They're sort of like, I don't have to tell you that it's about $86,000 in this market for that kind of thing. Right. That's what it is. It's, that's what it's going to be. And that's the way they perceive it. And what they're not aware of is a lot of other job listings that are out there that are expecting to pay ridiculously lower than market rates. Like if you're out there with a market rate job that's, let's say, 85000 for a market, you're probably not aware that there's somebody out there trying to hire developers for $32,000. I don't know who. It could be a ripoff. It could be a startup that's completely unrealistic. It could be an international outsourcing company. It could be... I don't know. Someone who does something so inspiring, people who work there for free, right, like consider the that number just of, extra. The Nebraska Department Nobody of Forestry. Nobody thinks they can build a Facebook clone for $400. Right, 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 mm -hmm. right. In a weekend, just to prove a point on Hacker News. And I think a lot of job seekers have been actually burnt by that, where they start to delve into the job and all of a sudden they discover that it's like no matter how much they like it, yeah. it plans to pay radically underpaid. You get right, all the way right. to the end of the interview process yeah, and right. then you find yeah. out, well, wait, what's the offer? It's yeah. a super critical me? piece of information. Yeah. It's like you're like, yeah. oh, you're going to adopt a pet and like you're like, all right, and you're like, it has to be this big and it can't weigh more than this and it has to cost yeah. less than this. And then they're like, congratulations. And it's like an alligator or like a, you know, a, <laughs> a wild ferret. And you're like, I just assumed it was a kitten or a puppy. Yeah. And it's, it would have been really useful up front. You know that. Critical input. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what other ads have you seen in the back of comic books that, that are ripoffs? <laughs> you know, actually? I keep trying to draw... The one with 100 magnets, they're so small. Those <laughs> magnets are so <laughs> tight. Two things I want to point out. One is those glasses don't help you see through no, skin at yeah, all. No, x-ray specs, no, yeah. No, yeah. and the, oh, second, yeah. the second is it turns out even if you just grab a crayon on your finger and scroll on a piece of paper, they will tell you you drew the turtle and the pirate perfectly, and you can still attend their art school. So oh, yeah. I just want to Everybody warn you. Go to there's, art there's oh, a... it's like the, it's like those people in the mall who are like, "You could be a model. Just sign up for these. Just sign <laughs> just up for these pictures. You need to buy some it'll, it'll only take seven hundred dollars to get your headshots done, and then yeah. and then we'll represent you. So this is essentially what's going on with job listing. And if you're a legit player, you may not realize just how much of this shenanigans are going on. And you may not realize that people just really kind of want to hear what the salary range is so that yes. they know just if it's even Just show me target. something that is, this isn't a waste of my time. Well, the other side of it, I think, is that there are a lot of people that are, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they're in public sector or something like that. And they're making, actually, not only are they making less than they could be making somewhere else, but they don't even realize just how much some of these companies are offering these days. And when they see those numbers, they may say, you know what? I thought I was satisfied with the salary that I'm making, but it never occurred to me that I could literally be making double. Yeah. You know, down the street or in San Francisco or whatever the case may be. That's another thing that putting the salary out there can accomplish. Yeah. So the other thing we looked at before we did the experiment was the survey, the developer survey we yes. ran in January and released. Oh, that has March a bunch of April. salary data too, right? Well, that has a bunch of salary data, but also that's when we ask people what are the most important factors when considering a job. Salary was the number one, basically. It wasn't that they were asked to rank them. It was just the number of people who said this is an important criteria. Almost everyone said, yeah, uh, everyone of course, that on our list. Of course yes. salary is an yes. important criteria. Salary is one of the things considered by everyone. One thing I would highlight, that we do think that's anomalous knowing some broader data. I would guess salary is probably somewhere between second and fourth. It's an anomalous. Yeah. In importance. We didn't ask them to rank. What did I, did I say the word? Anomalous? It's in almost <laughs> everyone's top three is a good way to think about it. Yeah. The point is, yeah. it's not, you don't want it to be the deciding factor when you choose a job. It's not like, but it's, well, it's, it's a disqualifier if you, you don't want right. to get all the way to the end of a job interview process and then find out that it's just wildly out of range. Yeah. It's like size on clothing, you know, like you have to have your size. 
on the clothing. Yeah. And no matter how stylish it is otherwise, it doesn't matter. If it's if the not size is wrong. medium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want so. it to be fair. And then you want to worry about all the other stuff you actually care about. Like, is the work interesting? And is right. the team any good? And do they have free lunches? Right. All that good stuff. So you've laid out a strong case for why job listings, including our job listings, should have some indication of salary on them if we want to get more and presumably better applicants. I would think the people that are unwilling to proceed without more information are probably more selective, but that's a guess. Be, that yeah. does not necessarily explain why we've chosen to kind of talk about so much. You laid out something much more. The, the blog post talks about the whole methodology. Mm -hmm. and yep. What? What, what are we thinking there? Why? Well, so we, we decided to go further on this, and this part is speculative. So everything up to this point is all driven by data. We had the philosophy. We had the feeling before. Now we see that it's true. We wanted to really sort of set an example and go as far as we could go as a company, as one employer among many. And we had this data. We had this system internally for determining our salaries. So with a little bit of nudging and a little bit of convincing, we decided to do it ourselves, publish it to the degree that we had it systematized internally. Let's make that external and just set an example for employers. This is how far you can go with salary. If you just want to describe salary on your job listing, we'd be thrilled. We think that's great progress if we can get to that point. But look how far you can go. Look how transparent you can be. Yeah. That was sort of reason number one. There's kind of a, there was a decision before that six months ago in January or February where we decided to open it up internally. Before, we'd always had the system, but we didn't actually share. Oh, no, it was even before that. We did it last year. It's been a while now. Right. It was January of last year. We made it open internally so people could right. see what the salary numbers were inside. They could go on them. And I was a little bit afraid when I did that. I was like, what's yeah. going to happen? What are people going to do? You know, it's mostly it's like, am I just going to get into a bunch of arguments where people are like, I'm here and I want to be here. And, and that's a very typical concern, not just yeah. within. So what you were feeling there, I think everybody feels, including recruiters, including HR people. You know, my hope and our hope was that after you do it, it gets a lot less scary and it gets a lot more normal. So it gets less scary. I think it also helps. You've got to have a system and an explanation for how you arrive at the numbers you do. Because, well, exactly. And I think yeah. a lot of companies don't. It's just kind of gut. And they're like, well, I like you and you seem like you get a lot done. So I'm giving you a raise. There's always an element of negotiation. Like for me, I, it would drive me crazy when I saw that it was sort of considered standard practice for every position to have a range of possible salaries. And they never really said, how do you get to the top of the range versus the bottom of the range? But obviously the answer was you negotiated better. And I thought that's frustrating, first of all, because developers don't want to be negotiators. They don't think that that's their core skill. They don't believe that it's fair for the tough negotiators to get better salaries. That usually results in poor results for minorities and women for no reason that you want other than, hey, listen, we built a system whereby if you come and beat me up for a higher salary, I will give you a higher salary. And then you're guaranteed to get beaten up for a higher salary because that's what you're paying for. <laughs> that's fair. You are actually you're literally paying people monetarily to come tell you I would like a higher salary. That's true. To your point, though, when basically the likely drivers of salary are some combination of negotiation, like politics, how well you like self-promote, right, 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 right. and then the ultimate negotiation, like the way you get, like having worked in finance, the way you get repriced in finance if your responsibilities have grown dramatically yeah. is you move. You quit a job and go to another you job. You get prepared to move. And then ideally, if you don't want to move, you don't have to. They'll yeah. match it. But even negotiation it's is nothing compared to it. Right. It's a disaster. You do not want to incentivize any of that. But I think part of the problem baked into all that is the reason they don't want to be more transparent is the system is too qualitative. It's too loose. Right. It's too personality-based. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so to your point about what you worry about is my whole rule with people is I'd say, like, if I were you, I wouldn't talk to other people about your salary. And it wasn't because I was trying to hide how we're cheating. In that world where salaries or compensation is overly qualitative, what happens when two people share salaries that are not identical 
is they're both walk away like less happy, which is yeah. one person thought they had upside and discover they don't because they make more than someone else. And they also discover the world is less fair or predictable in some ways than they thought. But one person feels totally screwed. Oh, yeah. yeah that person is like, just getting ripped off. And the, the key yeah. there is you can only break all those problems if you believe there's a system that most people will look at. And they may often go, well, I thought I was a little higher or lower, but most people will go, I understand your methodology. It and seems fair. And your assessment out. of me doesn't seem crazy. Right, 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 or and that's subjunct- hard. subjunctive, that's subjunctive, hard. subjunctive, sub- subjunctive. Oh, the subjunctive, subjunctive clause subjunctive. makes payment yeah. really complex. Subjunctive, subjunctive. Yeah. subjunctive. All right, blue <laughs> perfect. Can we say blue perfect. Blue perfect. I was hoping I'd get to today. So, <laughs> have I told my joke about? Have I told my blue perfect joke? Do you have a blue perfect joke? I, I, do. I don't mean to cut you off, Matt, but if you have a blue perfect joke, I don't know when we'll have a door open for that. this again. Well, you really haven't heard this one. It's about there's a fish you can only get in Boston, and it's called the scrod famous fish you can get in restaurants and it's like a okay. it's like a, a white fish of it's some a flounder sort. Yeah, yeah it's a, okay okay scrod. and a businessman flies up to boston gets off the plane goes out in the airport jumps into a taxi and says take me someplace where i can get scrod and the taxi driver laughs and says ha, first time i ever heard that in the third person past blue perfect <laughs> how many people do we think got uh, I haven't told that on this podcast before so for our linguist audience out there you're welcome <laughs> Sorry, I meant the subsection of you Blue that perfect also joke like for you, uh, puns. That was one of the last squares on the bingo card that had never been filled. <laughs> that was the. I, believe, I mean, I've told that joke a million times. I can't believe you grammatical heard it. tense Beantown joke I've ever heard. Joel, I can it. say you that sincerely. You got sincerely. It. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of the cab drivers in Boston are linguistics PhDs, unemployed. <laughs> Could be. Anyway, back to Jay's point. Yes. So, yes. so I think information has a way of clearing the air. I think the fear is that when you open this stuff up, you will have conversations like Jay just described. Two people yep. describe their salary, and you can make the case that having more information actually makes people unhappy. And I think, I think that has a lot to do with conventions. I think if it becomes a convention that people know what their salaries are, I think those sorts of conflicts kind of start to go away. I think they kind of right. diminish. So there is a step we haven't taken here. So the other company, obviously, that we got the idea for the salary calculator from was Buffer. Oh, yes. And they go one step further, which is they actually publish a list of every single employee and how much they make in the name of transparency. And that's the one step we're not quite willing to take. Yeah, that's like a little bit Because it feels like North it's, Korean. it's real. Well, it's, and it's kind of revealing people's, yeah. it feels like a piece of personal information. So my take on that yeah. is. Maybe just like Symbianese Liberation Army, not quite North Korean. So you cannot make generalizations about whole groups of people like that because that's what they do in Russia. Still that joke. Tanya, that was her name, right? <laughs> Squiggy? No, no, no. Tanya was her code name, right? Patty, <laughs> hey, Patty Hurst? Patty Hurst. Yes, that's Thank right. You, yes. Are you trying to make salient observations on the topic at hand? Because no one's interested I'm in that. I'm old enough to talk about some of this <laughs> stuff. Matt, you're supposed to be on my side, not Joel's. You're on my team, <sighs> damn it. Do you have any city-based grammar jokes? That would get our attention. <laughs> <sighs> Wasn't there an Alabama thing supposed to happen here, too? Yeah, where'd that go? I don't know what you guys are talking about. Okay. I was trying to say revealing salary. So my take on that is just anyone in the company is welcome to talk about their salary. That is a personal thing that they are free to reveal of their own accord. And I actually don't have any problem with that now that the salary chart is public and everyone can see it and everyone could look. And even if you just say, I have this many years of experience and this is my skill level, then they could go plug it into the calculator and find out how much you make. But that should be each person. 16 years of doing that at Fog Creek, Stack Overflow, Trello. I've always found it to be helpful. I think the companies that I've done it in, Maybe they're just great places to work and they're truly awesome, but the amount of sort of griping around salary and discussion around salary and stressing about whether you negotiated well enough has been 
dramatically less than yeah. any other company I've ever worked with. Oh, just by having a system. Yeah, there's a lot of value in optimizing for that too. Because yeah. it's also true that, especially among developers, it's sort of like we got a lot of choices. We earn high salaries. So it's also less likely that we are going to worry about plus or minus 5 or 10% All as right. well. So wait, there's a second key here, which is that you can't make your salaries public unless you actually have a system that makes sense. And I think one of the fears here is actually like if people start poking at this, if they knew how we really decided salaries, then like then they would be kind of right to be angry, right? At a what? lot of these companies. Not oh, here. At other, yeah, yeah, Whereas you. here, we can be transparent about it because we have spent a lot of years refining this system in yeah, a way that right, we're pretty right. confident makes sense and is defensible and explainable and that people will not like riot over when they yeah. find out. And it's open for discussion. We're happy to yeah, entertain absolutely. new ideas. And we actually change it every year and but we haven't talked about that that system yeah that's what i was going to ask if we wanted to get into just real briefly matt why don't you just explain <laughs> how we calculate salaries. the setup for what we want the output to be just to be clear jill tell me this is off is part of the goal here is i think one is like you said it's sort of a it's that we don't want to negotiate we want a thing that actually we can put a bunch of fairly specific things into that we believe right. is both represent what a given person is likely like worth to us what it costs to hire someone else in that role yeah which also should generally correspond with what they could command elsewhere right assuming right. they're a similarly good fit so sometimes you just get someone's worth more to some other company because they can do some talent the valuable thing that we don't need or vice versa right but generally it's trying to figure out the approximate market rate for a developer like that mm -hmm. to a company like us mm -hmm which means basically no negotiation. Like, this is what we pay for that. Mm -hmm. You can, yes, there's yes. some discussion about, I think I've been misassessed in this category, but it's never like, I deserve more, or I could get more away, or I need more, you know? And one other clarification is, this is probably much more advanced on the engineering teams than it is in some other areas where it's a little harder to break out some of the specific skills. So we can talk about the whole company. This is something we currently have implemented at this level of detail across most of our technical teams. Yes, yeah, products. that's the other thing. We didn't do all teams, partly because not all the teams have a full calculator system yet so that's what that we're aiming true. at yeah. and then let's talk about the inputs that is at least part of it yeah i mean to sort of incentivize people to have a better system i don't even care that much about what the system is i like the transparency though i like the effects that happen with the transparency we roll a 20-sided die then you can you can that's still transparent yeah so anyway all right yeah. i'm just gonna explain it because matt's not it just <laughs> briefly the way our system works is there's <laughs> it didn't work out as we expected yeah. there's two fact there's two factors well there's obviously what position you oh, can see it on the calculator stuff okay the number of years of experience is one thing and basically now every single year your salary goes up by like one or two percent or something and that's just because realistically the more experience you have the more valuable you are and the more somebody's going to pay you and we just found that you can't get away from that that's just how the market works the second thing and the more interesting thing is the skill level and that's where we try to actually factor in you know it's not just based on how many years of experience you are you could be a less experienced developer who's really really skilled or right a senior developer who is medium skilled and that's okay so the way we do skills it's actually joel invented it it's or less a report card, where we made a list of skills that we think are important, and we have tweaked it every single year mm -hmm. since. It's a list of skills that we think are important, and then you get a score from the only grades are B, A, A+, and A, A, A++++. Yeah. Which, by the way, is what's wrong with America. It's all this, all of you are special, <laughs> and you're even more special than the specialist kid next to you. That's right. So nobody reaches for this. That's why we can't land on Mars. Well, the idea there was... Simply that we wanted a score that represented, we have a few people in the company who are literally like literally best, best in things. the world and famous for right, a particular right. skill. And we wanted a way to recognize that without everyone feeling like they should be striving for that. They're in sad every category. if they don't have that in every right. category. We wanted right. that to be really, really special. So 
The exact skills you can see, there's a whole bunch of them, and they're different for every position. But Give a couple of examples, though. Mobile development. So there's some that are just like hard skills, mobile development. So for particular positions, you know, actually mobile is now, there's iOS and Android. For web developer, there's, for us, it's .NET, or then there's like core web development skills, like front-end JavaScript and stuff. But then there's also, there's a set of like eight or nine skills that are shared across all positions, which are like Location for us, public artifacts public is a artifact. big one. Yeah, ideas, you know, whether you're coming up with ideas and, and things like that. Not so. just for us, so the public artifacts. Even though, of course, we're big fans of everybody leaving public artifacts. That means answering questions on Stack Overflow, giving speeches, giving talks, writing blog posts. It's not just that we're fans of that. It's that we recognize that that also increases your market value, right? If you become right. famous through the public artifacts you create of the work and the way that you help other people with your skill as well as yourself, you're going to be entertaining job offers that you need a higher salary. Some of that stuff is. A little bit mercenary, even though it reflects our underlying belief in the goodness of all wonderfulness, is that if you're going to be a famous developer, we're going to have to pay you a little bit more because you're going to be yeah. batting off job offers with a lacrosse stick all day long. So I don't think we have a perfect system. And in fact, we've known other companies who tried to roll out exactly our system and it didn't work that well. I would say, though, but this general idea of experience and skills and then just make your own internally, just to ask everybody, what skills do we think are important? Make a list of those. Give everybody a score on those and try to agree on sort of objective criteria for those and then use that to calculate salary, their skill level. I think that basic approach can work for a lot of different positions. Two things that highlight there, I think, one is you have to get a little bit beyond sort of the top line, what people first think of and what makes somebody effective. So like one critical thing about what you said is it's not just the sort of obvious, you know, mobile development, it gets into like, can communicate with other people, right? right. Can advance right. this idea, can get things done on a team. And then the second one I think is really important, and this is a big part of Joel's writing on this topic, which I'm a big buyer of, is you don't want to be paying people for what they did last week, last month, or last year. The point of these is not, you achieve this, so your comp is higher now. This is not a reward for last year's work. We believe everybody here, we hope, will try to achieve the most they can within their skill set and in the context that we're doing. And so the idea is these categories should reflect like an overall skill level, like not what you've yeah, done absolutely. recently. And what's realistic about that is that's what the market pays. So getting right. back to the idea of a market rate, right. they pay for those things. They don't pay for what you did at Stack Overflow six months ago. All right. And what's been the reception so far? Before we move on, what have we heard back? Who loves and who hates this? And then... Sure. Sure. I, it's been good. The place I was looking for reaction on this was honestly Hacker News comments and Reddit comments because that's the audience and that's where it would if hit. we can make Reddit... Happy. Yeah. yeah it's a good we place. can make anybody happy. Yeah, it's the yeah. best way to learn how you are stupid and what you have done wrong. Right. That is excellent, excellent yes. constructive feedback. And the other thing yeah. that you should have done instead, yeah. yes. No, it was great. We got quite a lot of traffic on the blog post and the calendar. The comments were pretty universally positive that we had done this, and they were fairly evenly split between us paying too much and us paying too little. Which means we've gotten exactly what we wanted, we right? We nailed yeah, it. Yeah. I think we kind of got it right. <laughs> we've achieved market rate. But I think based on those discussions that I saw, I think it clarified and got rid of a lot of mythology around what people make because everybody knows a guy who knows a guy that makes $300,000 at Google. Yeah. yeah. And this sort of dispels with that a little bit, a I little think, bit. by having this you know, be clear. Uh, and you just wish, that's where I do wish a lot more companies would do this because if it were just public and yeah. you know, then the market rates would just be so much more, I don't know less secretive and made up and we just understand, you yeah, know, what's right. a decent rate? And we could decide, do we want to pay a little bit more than that because we're extra desperate or do we want to pay a little bit less than that? But at least it's like, let's just have an open discussion about this instead of everyone kind of being right. so secretive about yes. it. Right. And you start from a benchmark, right? We've basically taken the position that we want to make sure we are paying market rates so you don't give up money to come here. And then what we believe we are doing is offering much, much, much better benefit packages. And hopefully we strive and I would argue provide a better, more fulfilling place to work. And a better in... CEO, really. 
when it right. comes down to it. Right. That is also, Joe said <laughs> that's, that's the only thing it takes to mention yeah. that, and we just close them, and we could actually pay that 30% thing you mentioned, and it would still work. Can I have that raise we talked about earlier? I wanted to bring that back. Okay. Should we move on to- Yeah, next subject. Yeah. We got a few more things. Yeah, yeah. So- Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Sherman. Thank you. Joe, do you have a one-minute tech review for us? Oh, you want me to do that now? One-minute tech review? Yeah, go. We're eagerly okay. waiting. You know, so first wait, of all, hold on. I want to talk about first your of last all. one. Oh, first I'm of, sorry. Nope. So we have a follow-up item. It was Wallcat, and Wallcat is amazing. All right, I'm going to tell you about Wallcat. I liked the idea. Wallcat was you install it, and you get a new wallpaper yep. every day. Yep. I installed it. Mm-hmm. David a, wanted to love this. He I wanted got an, to love I it. I got an ugly wallpaper that I didn't like, but I was like, it's okay. It'll change tomorrow. tomorrow. It didn't change tomorrow. And then I got it frustrated does, it and uninstalled every day. it. Okay, wait, wait. You don't know how to Sorry, just to be clear. They, do, they offer, internet or they offer they exactly two services. One is a beautiful background, and two is that it changes every day. Yeah. And they literally failed at the only two things they so, promised. I feel betrayed. So try to do better this time and give us your new one-minute review. Go. Do you have Linux or something, David? <laughs> I've got a Mac. You can see it right in front of you. i got the same thing you do. <laughs> Is it running Linux? Okay, today's do better this time. Review is Google Flights. Google Flights. Tell us a little bit what Google is Google Flights. Google Flights. Okay. This is I'm amazing. Right you can you can search for flights. It's super fast. And the nice thing about it, if you haven't tried it, is each of the dropdowns shows you the amount of money you would pay if you chose something different from that dropdown. So if you set yourself up for a trip from New York to Los Angeles for next weekend, you can actually go click on a little date dropdown and it will show you for every single day how much you would be paying if you're flying on that day. Or you can click on the little drop down for economy, premium, business class, and see how much you would pay. You chose business class. You can change the airports to a bunch of nearby airports, and it would show you how much each of those airports would cost you. So that's the first super cool feature that it has. It's also unbelievably fast if you're used to regular search engines because it's using cache data. It's weird. So this is interesting. So actually the, querying the airline reservation systems. So this pricing thing it does, like I'm like, I've seen this before. Hotel sites do this, but airline sites don't. Okay. Uh, I have not some of them seen do. that much I've of this. I've seen it on, on uh, I think Kayak does it, but it's not nowhere near as fast. Yeah, yeah cool. this is just super fast because they have the data from this company that they bought called ITA in Cambridge, which actually just keeps a gigantic cache of all the queries that they do of the airline reservation systems, which can take up to a minute to return data. So they can give you, certainly for common routes, they can give you data much faster. I'm running out of my minute, but the last thing I want to say is if you put in a query, you can also subscribe to that query by just checking a little box. It's actually a little switch that says subscribe to this. And what will happen is you'll automatically get an email. You don't have to do anything. You'll just automatically get an email if that search ever gets cheaper. And I was actually surprised that it almost always will happen. So if you're looking for a trip a few weeks out, go ahead and check that box and wait until you get the email and you'll almost always save money in your trip. Awesome. It's sort of surprising by how much because the date gets nearer and nearer. The airlines get more and more panicky about whether or not they will be able to sell those last seats and the fare almost always goes down. That's your one-minute tech review. Google Flights. Google Flights from Joel Spolsky. Next week, we'll hear why David thinks Google Flights sucks and nobody <laughs> yeah. should use it. And in the interim, <laughs> I used it to a... buy a flight and I showed up and the plane wasn't there. I showed up and my flight was delayed and I blame Joel. If you like a, the idea of a place where when you search for a thing and you have your search all set, you can be alerted when that thing appears, check out Stack Overflow Jobs. Search alerts. Great. Search alerts. Yeah, we have that feature too. We do. We don't have the feature where if you change, we could do that with salary ranges. If you change your profession, you could see how much more money you'd yeah. <laughs> If you were a different kind of person. Related to Google Flights, but not connected. <laughs> when you're searching for either complicated destinations or you're really trying to save money, compare the one-way flight in each direction, because a lot of times you can either save money or get sort of more convenience if you actually switch airlines in the middle. So rather than just buying a round trip on the same airline, sometimes you'll just get, you know, better flights or more convenient flights or something if you buy two one-ways. There's Not like always. some company that tests that as a service. Yeah. Like you can use them and they will like create the leg thing and then I assume they take some spreads. 
Yeah. If you're just willing to sort of futz around, you can almost always find slightly better ways of doing things. If you're willing to use slightly different airports, you know, go into Heathrow, come out of Gatwick. This is actually, sorry, we're way over our one minute tech review, but this is we actually are. the thing that drives me crazy about buying flights. Yeah. The more time you spend on it, the it's lower that you can spend you an infinite amount of yeah. time yeah. trying to get it to be cheaper. To be fair, for people and then that it's, travel also, a lot. it's also an infinite amount of time because tomorrow it might be cheaper yeah. or the next day. And so the alert, I guess, would help. But then you get the alert and you're like, hmm, it went down this much in a week. Should I wait another week or should I like buy this right now? And the whole thing is just so There's a lot of gaming opaque the system. and gameable and just frustrating. Just to put it in perspective, there are a lot of people who pretty much fly business class everywhere because they have learned enough about the system and they spend enough time, invest enough time in understanding all the frequent flyer programs and all the crazy credit card options. And they have just figured out how to pretty much go business class for the price of economy. So vote Bernie Sanders. Vote Bernie Sanders. <laughs> that was my takeaway. That system is rigged. <laughs> All right. Are we going to talk about the, the thing, the rep, reputation? The reputation. Rep people. people who want reputation a lot. You want to talk about that? Sure. Let's talk about it for three minutes. And I just want to say on the podcast right now that if you have kids listening to this show, you're crazy. But in the following conversation, we're going to use a word which colloquially means a person that engages in the world's oldest profession. Going to talk about rep ladies of the evening. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. I'm like, that is not better. So if you do not want to hear that word, turn it off now. Thank you. So rep whores. Rep whores. We're not going to use that word anymore. Yeah. So the long and the short of it is, I guess, in the past, we've had a lot of, I think, valid conversations on site about, we've got a reinforcement system, right? There's a feedback loop where you do a good thing, you help a person, you get a thing. You get that reputation. Says, yeah, great job. You did awesome. It actually helps somebody and you get reputation, unlocks yeah. privileges, makes you feel good. And the system is actually designed to give you a proxy, a representation of this good. But obviously, such systems, they tend to nudge behavior. They tend to make you do things more. They tend to make you want to yeah, keep getting that but feedback. But they're supposed to. And they're in fact, I never, totally. I never even understood this term because it was like, you're doing things for reputation. That's exactly what we want. Totally. Built. Totally. What I want, at least. But we do have a community. And part of the way that community works is we would hope that if there were a thing that you knew were really bad for the community and you knew a certain behavior might generate rep but you were really bad and caused trouble, right. you probably wouldn't do that. The hope is that you would go, ah, I don't want to do too much of that. Yeah. Some people, of course, always will. But the trick we've gotten into is so certain behaviors would occur where one possible reason was that they generated rep and people didn't care about the harm. One other possible reason is people just didn't know that they were doing something bad. And it's mm. probably both. Like To be clear, like there is a problem with people doing certain things. People certainly will optimize for any feedback system. And so there were perfectly legitimate conversations. So what's an example of the kind of thing people think is uh, bad? A bad thing so, done just to get rid of? I think it was just answering questions that are not good questions. Yeah. So let me give an example. Right. Someone asked a question that is clearly not supposed to be here for some reason. Right. So there's a question asked, and it is off topic for Stack Overflow for some reason, and it doesn't belong there. Now, if you answer that question prior to it being closed and people upvote your answer, you will get rep. And assuming that question isn't outright deleted, like so if it's not wildly off topic, you keep that rep. And that's deliberate because sometimes what's allowed changes over time. And we don't want every time like we close something because it's not allowed anymore, everyone loses all their rep. And so you have some people who come in and they're like, oh my gosh, I know this is going to get closed, but I'm going to answer it anyway because I'll earn some rep before that happens and I can keep it and screw that stupid system. And so those are the people that the term was, I think, being used to describe, and that is a legitimate thing that probably happens sometimes. However, over time, there's a couple of problems. One is the term is just sort of prima facie, not consistent with our be nice policy. But one problem is we started always assuming that was the reason. And an equally valid reason that someone answers a question like that is someone comes here and knows enough about Stack Overflow to know that you're supposed to answer questions and know that we answer programming questions. And they find a programming question that happens to be off topic, and they answer it because 
they're just not that interested in knowing all of the nuances of what is on and off topic within programming. They come to answer questions and they're comfortable that some get closed and some don't, but they just come to answer and they're interested in that kind of giving. They're not interested in all the closing and filtering. And that's okay. They're choosing a certain way to participate or they disagree. They think it should be on topic. And there's all these different possibilities. But over time, we tended, I think, to assume because one possible cause is that, that it was the only one. But perhaps more importantly, the be nice policy for a long time has basically said things like, let's assume good intentions. Let's not use sort of language that is derogatory or demeaning to other people. Yeah. And let's not name call. A fundamental part of it was let's not name call. And the terms both being used against specific people in yeah. some cases, which is clearly a violation. And to be clear, the mods for years now in Stack Overflow have been dealing with those things and getting rid of them. But we were also using it in the abstract, like the problem, the reason we have this problem is all of the hypothetical reports. And the truth is it stops us from wondering what is actually causing this bad behavior. It could be reputation. It could be other things. We don't stop to consider it. And so the point here was just to say, look, the term's nasty. We do want to keep talking about that. Let's not pretend we don't have issues with the reinforcement system. But a name like that makes the discourse less nuanced, less intelligent. And more importantly, it comes off as mean and nasty in a way yeah. that isn't helpful to the conversation. Yeah. So, so stop it. So we basically just said, just to be clear, like I think as any reasonable interpretation of the nice policy would conclude, this language is inconsistent. We used to use it, but we're going to stop doing it. Let's keep having those conversations, but talk about what is happening rather than slapping kind of a nasty name on a group of people that we think are doing it for that reason. Yeah. My understanding is there's two things, right? One is focus on the behavior, not the person, right? Yes, so very much so. So don't use a name that describes the person as, the, oh, that's just the kind of person that they are, right? Talk about the behavior that they shouldn't be engaging in, and let's talk about how to fix that. And then the second thing is, like, it's just a nasty name. Like, let's just come up with something better for this that describes the problem, not... Yeah, and I think yeah. the, the behavior versus person thing results in, like, a super... This is in the post we talked about, but like it's called the actor-observer bias or something, or actor-observer or something, which is basically like if you're on the road and you see the guy in front of you like swerve their car twice, you're like, oh my god, that guy's a terrible driver. He's yeah. probably drunk. Maybe yeah. he's texting. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I was going to use a mean word, but I won't because we don't like to do that. <laughs> but you judge that person as a bad kind of person who's probably engaging in irresponsible life behavior that is causing them to swerve yeah, that way. They're a bad Texas. person. Right. When in fact, <laughs> like you, then someday I swerved my car and I know why I swerved my car. I thought I saw a Pokemon in the road and I was trying to not hit him. Not hit or my kid finally got, you know, got what they were aiming at the back of my head to finally stick made... to my head. Yeah. And in your situation. <laughs> yeah. These are both real examples right. from Jay's life. Jay, but that's please. where like, like on Stack Overflow, <laughs> we crazy. keep seeing is like, I would never do anything for rep. I only no. do it to help people. I use the rep to measure that. But these jerks are doing it only for rep is that same thing where like, we're always yeah. assuming they're the bad kind of person instead of looking at what's the situation that's causing it. And right. it could be the rep system. Sure. Just talk it out. So by the way, one thing which I feel is true is that Stack Overflow can be described as sort of a system whereby people ask questions and get answers. And we've created some incentives around it, and we hope that we create an enormously useful artifact for the internet as a byproduct. Yes. And that is, in fact, very much by design. However, sometimes the artifact is not created, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the whole project is wrong or that everybody is doing something that's not creating a beautiful artifact for the internet. We, don't, we do want to create good and useful artifacts for the internet. However, sometimes there will be other activities that take place in addition. Yeah, some of that is like the system takes some of it into account. Well, I don't yeah. know. If there's behavior that people are engaging in, let's talk about how to fix the system, not yeah. just name call. The One of the things I like to think about is why in most cities that have bus lanes, taxis are allowed to drive in the bus lanes. Now, why is that? I mean, what's the... So they can make scrod jokes. <laughs> Second taxi reference in a podcast. 
And uh, with that, we'll end it. You've been gone away for another 24 hours listening to the stupidest. Um, sorry. No, I think the reason is that if you leave taxis as sort of an alternative that's available, you encourage mass transportation, essentially. In other words, you have to slightly privilege taxis so that people will leave their cars at home. So that at least they still have the kind of backup emergency plan oh, of using a taxi. They don't always have to take a bus. And so you privilege taxis a little bit because making a good system for taxis actually encourages people using mass transit, as it turns out. You don't actually want people, people using believe. the taxis, but the favorable treatment for taxis actually optimizes for bus use, essentially, because right, they right. serve as a safety. Uh, and taxis are expensive. Better, and... There's three options, and your first choice is bus, your second choice is taxi, Fair, your third okay. choice is for them yeah. to drive in. So yeah. you just want to set up the incentives. Correct. And so I think we have sort of this sort of the similar situation on Stack Overflow, where essentially we want people to ask questions on Stack Overflow, because one of them might be great. We want people to answer questions on the Stack Overflow because the answer might be really helpful to someone else. And we want them to sort of vote up and we want this behavior to go on. And we don't want to actually like really crack down on people and say, don't even think of asking a question if you're not absolutely positive that it's going to be massively useful to the internet as a whole. We actually want people to feel a little bit free, even if that means that some of the questions that are asked on Stack Overflow end up just getting shut down and, and maybe even bothering some of the advanced users. Because it's like we have to, just the, the very fact that you have that concept of asking a question on Stack Overflow is ultimately going to generate more people to feel more yeah. safe about asking questions on Stack Overflow, including the good ones. That we I agree want. 100%, but one thing I'd say there is we have an obligation too. So you're totally right that we don't like, for the most part, all these solutions that are like, how do we stop people from asking most of their questions? Right. Because we need that coming in. Right. But I do think, to your point about the power users, we have to recognize too, we do have you know a group an of people, a large group, yeah. who are working their butts off to help other people. And the extent to which we allow too many bad questions and noise to get in their way undermines their satisfaction and their absolutely account. and so so there is a sort of a balancing we aspect. have an obligation if we want to say we really want to make sure people can try their questions that are close to likely being right we have to keep doing work to ensure that answerers can filter better can choose not to see certain types of things that they sure. don't like and also to do more on the front end like one thing we've been talking a lot about is improving running a bunch of tests to try to improve the ask page just to help new users post better cool. questions let's i want We're to move, keep move on because yep. we got one more yep. thing on the news Subject, which is we launched documentation finally. We have a whole episode of this podcast dedicated to documentation coming up next. I'm going to say next week, even though the chances that we're going to do it next week are probably slim to zero. So sometimes within the next nine months, we're going to do a whole episode about documentation. But for now, quick update on what is going on with documentation. Go. We shipped documentation All right, last it's shipping week. Documentation. That's all there is to Click say. On the documentation link. It's there. It's live. It is. Go try it. Go try it. Go try it. We just, it's awesome. We're saying two things. One, it's a beta. It's beta. there. You should try it. It's good. Lots of activity. Lots of users trying it out. Two, yes, it's a beta, and, and it's still a work in progress. A lot of. We got to the point finally where, with a closed, small circle of friends, we just couldn't find the breaking the problems, points. Breaking points, and we really needed to try it out yep. on a large community of people to see how the reputation would work, how the editing would work. We had to see, you know, whether we would get thousands of requests for topics or dozens of requests for topics, because that makes a big difference. So there's a bunch of stuff there that is going to be changing very, very rapidly. And Kevin, the head of the documentation project, has promised to write a post on Meta every week, bringing us up to date on that. Is that correct? He yeah. actually did say that. I don't know if he'll... He said, he said about a week. I don't think he about. committed to every week. But It'll be at least as frequent as this podcast. Well, the point is that... <laughs> We're not presenting this to the community as this is done and perfect because no. it's obviously not perfect. The it point is, is it's in beta and it's in public beta because we're going to now continue to develop this in public with you. Right. And so we need you going on meta and nicely 
telling us how awful the rep yeah. system is and how it's breaking everything. And then we're going to take a look at it and, and, and we'll uh, fix it. And, and, I think that, we can and fix. we'll recalc everybody's rep because we keep track of everything. Yeah, the feedback, we've got a lot of suggestions that are really helpful. And I think people need to remember when Stack Overflow launched, it was basically just a website that didn't show you a nice picture one day and then didn't change it the next day. And it's evolved yeah. enormously since then. Ah, Kevin Montres himself has weighed in and he said the official timeline for those posts is whenever I effing feel like it. And TM. he actually, he stuck Trade to that marked. like religiously since announcing that yeah. as the fixed interval. He's very consistent yep. with yep. doing it whenever he feels yep. like it. For example, some days Kevin may feel like it, in which case he will <laughs> post. Right. That's the best way to days? predict it. Other other days, you might not feel like if it. If you're wondering what day is the next one coming, yeah. just ask yourself when's the next time Kevin's going to feel like it. Right. And, and on that when... day, there will be a post on that right. with the status of what's going on with documentation. You have gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Exchange Podcast number 72, recorded Tuesday, August 2nd, 2016 at Stack Exchange headquarters. This podcast has been brought to you by Peanut Butter, an excellent source of protein. Cover your ears. An excellent source of protein and dietary fiber by placing peanut butter inside a hollow rubber ball. It is oh easy to create a toy that will keep a dog occupied for many happy hours. For Matt Sherman, Jay Hanlon, David Fullerton, audio editor David Greenlee, local desktop producer Alex Miller. I'm Joel Spolsky. Goodbye. Bye-bye. No, no, no. Finish your thing. Uh, the reason I was doing a hand signal to move on was like, let's finish that thing. Oh, okay. And then we'll move on. I'm teaching them the hand signals. Like my wife says, why did you kick me under the table? Are you not listening to the part where there's the machine? There's a turner. You press it and it turns peanuts into peanut butter. I assume it's churning. I can't see what it's doing inside. The death dispenser? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>